with trust in the Lord, which keeps you safe. So understand that there's fear of man. It proves to be a snare, but we can choose to trust in the Lord and be safe. Now, we've all had fears, like I was saying. Some of you guys, when you were little, right, maybe a few years back, you were afraid of the dark. I remember when I was little, and my friend, uh, well, my cousin, he slept over, and there was this, I had a closet, and in my closet, I had a lot of, like, coats, and then my cousin was telling me that secretly at night, the aliens, they come, and when they come, they just watch me, and they come out of that closet, right? So I started, I was scared. At that point, I did not want to sleep with my closet open. I remember stuffing a bunch of stuff in my closet so I wouldn't see it, and then it fell on me one day, and I was stuck, but, you know, I was... They got me out. But here's the thing. We were all afraid of things. Sometimes it's irrational, like me being afraid of aliens coming out my closet. And sometimes we may say we have rational fears, like being afraid of uh, someone gossiping about you or, or t- thinking bad about you. We may think that's rational. Or being afraid of a, like a mountain lion coming at you at like full speed. We would be afraid. I would be afraid. I would start running. I mean, it'd probably be no point. I'd probably be done. But we all have had fears. We've experienced fear in our lives. So what I want to talk about with the fear of man will usually have to do with your fear with people, okay? How many of y'all got friends in this place? Man. Everybody, I want you to turn to your neighbor and be like, would you like to be my friend? Turn to the right. Turn to the right. Turn to the right. Everybody needs you to turn to the right. Make some friends. Introduce yourself. Say your first name, your last name, your address, and how old you are. Now I'm kidding. Keep the address out, especially boys and girls. Do not tell them your address. TMI, TMI. Yes, sir. Okay, so turn to the left and make a friend with them now. All right, y'all don't like the left side. Okay, that's, that's how it would be. It's okay, man. Just talk to his ear. You know, make friends with him even if he doesn't know. Okay, you guys, you guys got friends now? You guys got friends? Okay, so how many of y'all got friends now? Okay, awesome. It's all right if they don't want to. You got a friend in Jesus, okay? So, how many of y'all got family? How many of y'all got family? Okay, man, turn to them. I'm joking. <laughs> Be like, you want to adopt me or something? You know, I don't got family. Okay, but some of y'all got family, and then some of you guys are strangers. Like right now, before this moment, you're probably strangers to the person next to you. So we have people that are either like family, friends, strangers, acquaintances, but we can all actually have a fear of them. We can fear their rejection. We can fear their opinions. However, we know that because of the scripture, this is actually wrong. We should not do this. The fear of man actually means this. It's, it's terror. According to the Bible, it's terror. To be terrorized by something, that's what fear is. It's an overwhelming feeling of fear and anxiety. Okay? Anxiety is not a strange word anymore. When I was little, I thought anxiety had something to do with ants. But you got 10-year-olds saying, you know, Mama, I'm dealing with anxiety. Man, you know, I, I don't know if I'm going to be able to do this project, you know. And, and you got, so everyone knows almost in this, in this day and age what anxiety is. It's a fear. Sometimes it's irrational. Sometimes it is rational. But here's the thing. This is, you can actually have an anxiety, an overwhelming feeling of fear and anxiety when it comes to a person. Think about this, right? You ever walk down the halls and you see that person you don't want to see anymore? And you see that stomach feeling coming in, and you're like, oh. 
And you just want to run away, avoid them. Sometimes we've had people that have hurt us physically or emotionally, and we don't want to see them. We fear them. Then we have times where we have people that we look up to, that we, we, are, we are hungry for their approval. We want their approval so bad that the minute they seem like they're not friends with us anymore, we feel this feeling, oh, man, they're mad at me. And we fear them. We do what they want now. When we're about to disappoint people, we have this overwhelming, uncontrollable feeling of anxiety. And this right here is the fear of man. And it could be irrational. You could say, man, I'm, fe- I'm afraid of my, of my sister, right? Man, dude, she, she always snitches on me. You might have a fear of that, you know? That's your problem. You got to work that out with your sister. You might have, uh, and you might call that rational too. You might call something like, okay, I'm afraid of failing this test. I've studied hours and hours and hours, but I know if I fail this test, it's not the test you're worried about. It's your parents. You're afraid. You have anxiety that they will maybe almost like disown you emotionally. That they'll stop talking to you. Like they'll be disappointed in you. They might, they might be embarrassed of you. So you might, have that, you might have that feeling. And it might create fear and anxiety in you. And I, I want to tell you, this can actually affect anybody. This can affect me. This can affect you. This can affect Marco. It can affect Kiki and Victor. It can affect even Julian right there and, and Joey. It can affect everybody, even Humberto. All right? This feeling, the fear of man, having that gripping, overwhelming a, a feeling of anxiety can happen to anyone, even according to the Bible, it can happen to a king. If you can turn to 1 Samuel uh, 15, 24. So the, in Israel, there's, there's a king, and he's the first king. He's the first king they've had. So think about that. He's pretty, he's that guy. He's tall, he's muscular, that's why he was picked. He's strong, he's a leader. I mean, this guy has it all. He's like, your, he's like the starting quarterback at a high school. Everybody loves him. But then, right, he sins against God. He starts disobeying the Lord. He starts rejecting the wisdom of God, and he starts, well, we'll find out right here. Then Saul said to Samuel, a prophet who was basically keeping him accountable, I have sinned. I violated the Lord's command and your instructions. I was afraid of men, and so I gave in to them. So you see here a giant, tall king, right, giving in to his people instead of following the instructions of the Lord. You see him cowering, being afraid, having terror of the people that he's ruling over, and he gives in to them. I mean, how many of you give in to people? You know this is wrong. You know you're not supposed to be disobeying God. You know you're not supposed to be lusting after that girl, gossiping about this person, cussing so much, being so angry, being so bitter, right? But as soon as your friends encourage you to do it, you drop whatever God says because you're afraid of them. You fear them. You're afraid. You have anxiety if they start to walk away from you. We're so quick. To all of a sudden disobey whatever God told us. How, it doesn't matter if God set us free from sin. It doesn't matter if we know God is true and that Jesus died and he rose again. The minute that our friends give the slightest hint that they might not be so happy with us, they might not be so pleased with us, we give in to them. See, this is a problem because what God has told us most of the time, if not all the time, differs from any of your friends that are not saved. So your friend that's saying, hey, man, why don't you fight that guy? Why don't you show them what you're about? Why don't you show them you're a man? Why, why are you being like this? Why are you being a coward? They'll probably use other words. 
And you might, you might feel some type of way. You might fear now their opinion. You might, you might fear their rejection. So, so now instead of obeying what God has told you, you give in to them. There's so many examples for that happens. I mean, I remember when I was in high school, that happened all the time. As soon as a cute girl walked by and my friend, even if they were from church, started to talk about them, I, I was afraid that they'd call me weird, that they'd call me some weird virgin name or something. So I was like, dang, yeah, man, sure, whatever you say. I was afraid of them. I was afraid of their opinions and their rejection. And we have all been through this. But here's the thing. This is wrong. Now you know this is wrong, that it actually is a snare. So before I move to the second point, I want to ask you, are you right now, as I speak, being affected by the fear of man? Let, let, me, let me ask you this. Do you look more like your culture? Do you look more like the people in your school than you look like Jesus? When it, when, instead of preaching the gospel, do you talk about sexual things with your friends? Instead of, instead of telling your friends the right thing to do, do you just go along with anything you know that is wrong that they're doing? Do you just go along with their sin? Do you just go along? Do you just conform to whatever they say? And it may not be your friends. It may be your family. You started coming to church. All of a sudden, mama's like, what are you doing with those people? How do you say in Spanish? Well, well, gases, right? Right, right, babe. Barry, there you go. Whatever Julian said, right? And you might not come from a Latino family, right? Or you may come from a Catholic family or whatever. And they tell you, you have to obey this religion. You may come from a family who's atheist. You may say, what are you doing with those crazy people? And they may not reject you in your own household. Does that fear affect you? Do you become overly overwhelmingly afraid of them, full of anxiety. When you mess up now, and you know that you've messed up, are you afraid to admit it because you're afraid of people's opinions? You see, this is what happens when you're under the fear of man, but it's still wrong. And you may, because you're thinking this is probably natural. Everybody goes through. If you can turn to, uh, if you can turn to the next verse, sir, please. You may think this is natural. This happens to everybody. This is probably some biological, social thing in your DNA that causes you to conform to everybody so you can have more friends. Some scientific thing like that. Or you can say, listen, I just want to be happy. I just want to have friends. I just want to be popular. I just want to, I want to make sure that I'm living a happy life doing me, you know what I'm saying? You may say, that's what it is. You know, my friends are lying to my mom. They're taking money from my mother. Why can't I do that? You know, my friends, you know, all they do is play video games and fart. So why can't I just play video games and fart? If I do anything else, they'll be like, dude, what are you doing? Why do you take church so serious? See, that's the fear of man coming. But here's the thing. According to the Bible, just like what happened to Saul, right? He sinned against God. He gave in to his people. And after that, it turns out he was no longer the same. Man lived in constant anxiety, constant fear of man, constant fear of losing people's approval. If you read the Bible, you would understand that this man was afraid his entire life of losing what he, he thought God had given him, the approval of people. But this, according to the proverb I just read, proves to be a snare. If you can, just leave, if you can go back to the first verse, sorry. This proves to be a snare. And what a snare is, I don't know if y'all ever seen Looney Tunes. You ever seen Looney Tunes? I was going to use this example, but I noticed that y'all are all like under 18 probably, so you don't know what Looney Tunes is. Does anybody know what Looney Tunes is? Okay, does anybody know the dude who was like, I'm going to crash that wabbit. I'm going 
I'm going to catch that wabbit, dang wabbit, right? That's exactly how he sounded. And he was always trying to catch who? Who was Bugs Bunny? Or what about the coyote who didn't speak and he was always trying to catch the roadrunner? Right? So they would always have some type of trap. They would always have some type of like, maybe they would cover the, a hole in the ground with some leaves. Or maybe they would have that big old bear trap and they would put like some crumbs or whatever. I was watching a video today and the coyote put like bird seed on the, the, uh, on the trap. And the, you know, the bird obviously never got caught ever, right? Never. He goes and he jumps on the trap, jumps off, eats it, jumps off. And he wasn't able to trap him. That's why I didn't use that example, because I didn't want to think you guys could escape that snare and everything. So, so basically, he escapes it. The coyote comes in. He gets trapped. And, you know, poor coyote, he can't die. He's just, I don't know why, but he's just suffering in pain. But that's what happens in Looney Tunes. They try to set traps for the Bugs Bunny, for the, for the, the, the road runner, but they can never catch him. But here's the thing. It's not the same thing with the fear of man. It, it proves to be a trap, and a trap that catches someone who is unaware it's unaware. I don't know if you've ever played the game where you, put, you pull the seat out of someone's uh, from the back. Does anybody know the game of the game where you pull the seat when they're about to sit down? You ever play that? You ever play that? Yeah, so that's like a trap. You, you set someone up. You're like, you're like, hey, why don't you take a seat? And then all of a sudden, as soon as they take a seat, they're unaware. They think you're being polite, and you just pull the chair. That's what it's called, pull the chair. Or you ever toppled someone. Have one of your friends stand on the back, stand on the back legs of someone, and you just push them. That was probably bogus. That's okay. I did that. All right. God forgave me. God forgave me, dude. So here's the thing, right? It is a trap that catches people who are unaware. You're not aware of the snare even when you're in it. A trap has something usually to tempt you with. So it's not going to be a trap and then it has nothing in it. No, no, no one will fall for that, right? But it has something that you're usually wanting. Usually wanting. So that it's not the, you know, the, the fear of man is a, proved to be a snare and that's it, like some robotic thing. But it's deeper than that. The fear of man, right, will catch you when you're unaware of it. See, it will have something that you want. You want it so bad. You might want popularity. You might want a lot of friends. You might want the acceptance that you've never had from people. So you walk into that trap and it catches you. I actually have a video for that. If you could play the video. You don't have the video? Could you, could you pull it up? Ask Oscar. Oscar will help you. I sent him the video. I want, I want to play this video with you guys because this is important. I want you guys to understand this. This is how hunters catch animals. They don't just put a, like I, they don't just put a trap in there and leave it bare. No, they actually put what the, per the animal might desire, might the animal might, might want. So I'm going to play a, a video. I sent you the link in your message. I'm going to send you the, the video. I'm going to play the video, and it's going to be a cheetah. This guy, he's setting up a trap to catch this cheetah. But in the meantime, right, so we don't have any awkwardness while you guys are just staring at me, I want you to look to your neighbor, right, and ask them, are they, are they experiencing the fear of man? Begin to talk to your neighbor. If you don't know your neighbor, that is a deep question. But ask them that, right? Can you put it at the four-minute mark? Remember what I told you? Four-minute mark. Brandon, Brandon, you experienced the fear, man? Were you paying attention? Start paying attention, Victor. Okay, so right here, right? We have 
Now, if you can go a little bit backwards, a little bit backwards, right? I want to catch the whole experience. Literally right before the four-minute mark. Right before the four-minute mark. Right? Right there. So you see that see, this cub, right, is completely unaware of the meat or of the trap, but it's just focused on the meat. Think about this. That animal is probably hungry. And I just want to let you know they, they set these animals free. But that, if we can go a little bit farther, a little bit back, if we can even, like, make it slow motion, just go a little bit back. I want you to see... Pray for them. See, in my mind, this was going to be really simple. It was like, boom, see that? But sometimes it's not that simple. Life can throw an uppercut. There you go. Yes, that's a perfect timing. Right? So as we see, no, I'm joking. Okay, so as we see this animal just sniffing that meat, you know, it's like, oh, I don't know, testing it, looking around, but it's hungry. The cat, the, the little puma, wants the meat. It doesn't care if there's a trap. It doesn't care about the snare, per se. It's not even aware of that this is an actual trap. It might be a little suspicious, but it, it's really hungry. It's really hungry. It's really hungry. You'll see. So then, bang, you know, it's like, finally, I'm going to go for it. I'm going to go for bam. Falls into the snare. It was completely unaware. It just wanted food. It was just hungry for something. Thank you, Oscar, TJ. And Christian, give it a hand for them. They did it. Right, so if we, if we can go back to uh, the verse, the first verse, Proverbs 29, 25. You see, the fear of man often, right, it seems like something good. When Saul, the first king of Israel, gave in to people, he probably thought, I'm going to have people's approval. I'm probably continue to be the king. No one's going to want to, you know, uh, dethrone me. No one's going to want to take me from my throne because I have everyone as my friend. Right? He's probably thinking this is something good. And it could be the same thing with us. Like the animal, you could be starving before attention. You could be starving but for reputation. You could be starving but for popularity. You see... You could be even starving for self-realization. You're looking at these rappers. You're looking at what they do. You're looking at the money they make. You're looking at what they do, and you, you start to say, okay, if they're cool like that, I got to be like them because they have all those people around them. So you follow trends. Some of y'all are the most trendy people, man. Y'all, like there's this n- another thing called Nabal. I don't even know what that means. Y'all so trendy. But sometimes we're trendy because we're afraid of what people might think if we're not trendy. We're afraid of what people might think if we're not like them. So looking at something good, because I'm not saying friends are bad. I'm not saying family is bad, but neither was that meat. Neither was that piece of meat for that cub. But they didn't, they didn't understand that in that, right, in the, where the meat was, it was a snare. And you're thinking, man, if I, just, if I just have the fear of man, if I just do whatever they say, if I just go along with whatever they're doing, I'll have them as a friend. I'll be popular. I'll finally have someone. I'll finally have a, if I just give in to him, right, if he just wants to have a little bit of sex, right, maybe just two times, that's it, one time, I'll let him be my first, maybe he'll be with me forever. I'll have someone to be with me. I know he, I know he, you know, I know he's not following Jesus, but he looks good and he can, people will be proud of me. They'll finally start talking about how single I am. Oh, man, man, she looks good. I know I'm, I'm supposed to be following Jesus, but I know my guys will be all, I know my guys will be celebrating with me if I get with her. 
It's all about what people think. We're afraid of their opinions. We're afraid of their rejection. I want you to think about this, okay? So, uh, it turns out to be, when you do get something good, right? When you do catch this, right? When you do catch this loved one, when you do this one that you think you love and you'll be with forever, you know, when you're 13. We all been there when we're 13. Some of y'all 13 right now and in this situation. We're 13. We just caught the, the woman of our dreams or the man of our dreams. We're going to be with them forever. We're going to get married, right? But then all of a sudden, they cheat on you with your best friend. All of a sudden, you know, they're like, man, you know, my parents said we can't date. Then all of a sudden you check Snapchat and there's another female right next to her, or another female right next to him. Well, nowadays you don't even know. And that's the thing, dude. Like, literally, we think if we just come into the fear of man, we'll have everything we desire. All we do is have to just submit to them. We just have to be like them. But it's wrong. Most people, right? Most people understand this when they're older. But even when they're older, they do the same thing. Some of us are probably 17, 18. I'm not like that, I'm not like a little kid anymore. You know, I got my own self. I got my own way. But we give in to our family now. Whatever our family says about us, that, that, that's true. Whatever our family says to do, whether it be following God, whether it be not following God, we do it. We have a fear of our family when it comes to following God. And this turns out to lead us to anxiety, even sin, even denial of Jesus Christ, depression, even suicide. Think about this. Most people who commit suicide, they're afraid of what people might think about them. They're like, man, I want to commit suicide, but I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what people might think about me. But then the reason why they're even thinking about committing suicide is because they're thinking about what people are thinking about them. So it's like, it's a snare. It's a trap. You can't get out. Once you've been caught in the fear of man, you're done. The worst thing to do, worst thing to happen is suicide. That's what happens. And it happens to people all around in your school. It's probably even happening to some of you right now. So this is what I want to give you the example with. Because there's actually a person in the Bible who committed suicide. His name is Judas. But then there's another. We all know about Judas. We all hate Judas, right? No, we, we shouldn't hate him. But we are like, man, Judas, that's that bad guy. You know, he, he sold Jesus in. He ain't, the, he ain't a real one. He ain't a real one. He wasn't the real disciple. There's only 11 disciples. We don't talk about Judas. But Judas turned Jesus in, felt the regret and the shame, probably felt overwhelming anxiety of what his other, the other disciples might think about him, what Jesus thought about him. So you know what he did? He, he threw the 30 coins, which was, he sold Jesus for, the 30 coins away, wasn't afraid of the priest anymore, and he ran away and killed himself. That's what the fear of man does to you. If we would have just feared the Lord, it would have never happened. But here's another disciple that went through the fear, man, that I want to focus on. And that's Peter. If you can turn to Matthew 26, 69 to 75. Actually, um, yes, yes. Matthew 26, 69 to 75. Now, Peter was sitting out in the courtyard. Jesus had just been taken. He had just been taken. He's been beaten. He's been flogged. He's been pretty much just beat to, beat to crap. I'm not going to lie. And this is what happens now, right? Because this Jesus who's being bruised and he's being wounded. He's being pierced. For us, Peter is it's kind of following him, you know? He's following where they're taking Jesus, and he's sitting in the courtyard right outside where they have Jesus. And a servant girl, right? A little girl that serves people, not, not, has no nobility, has no fame, has no popularity, has nothing, starts to say loudly, you also were with Jesus of Galilee. 
She said, Galilee is where he came, came from. So we're thinking, you know, Peter, right, being a real disciple, being the one who walked on water, being the one who cut that dude's ear off, he's going to stand up to that little girl and be like, bet, that's right, bet right now, yeah, what you going to do, crucify me? But no, but he denied it before them all. So there's a crowd. The servant girl had the bonus to go up to him, be like, hey, you were with Jesus. The crowd probably looking to seeing him, and he starts to feel some overwhelming bit of anxiety. He starts to be afraid of the crowd, and he says, I don't know what you're talking about. He said, I ain't got no clue. Jesus who? Who's Jesus? Who's Jesus? I don't know the Messiah. What? Dude, I don't know who that is, that, that random guy. It's been doing ministry for three years. It's been healing the sick. I don't know what you're talking about. He said, then he went out to the gateway, if we can continue, please, where another servant girl, those standing, those standing there went up to Peter and said, surely you are one of them. Your, a- your accent gives you away. You even sound like you're from Galilee, bro. Bro, you be saying, I, I, <laughs> what do people in Chicago usually say? Nah, man, like, for real. Like, Josh, what do you think they say? How do you know you're from Chicago? Whoa, 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 whoa. They're like, Peter, you don't want that. (laughs) He's like, I don't know what you're talking about, little servant girl. You don't want that woo-woo. You don't want that woo-woo, right? So so they're like, listen, we even know you're from Galilee. You sound just like the people from Galilee. I don't know what you're talking about. So we can tell by your accent, you're just, you're from Galilee. Then he began to call down curses, and he swore to them. He said, I don't know the man. He said, F you. I don't know him. No, he started cussing people out. He started cursing them. He says, you go to hell. You go to hell. I don't know who this Jesus is. Then he began, uh, then immediately a rooster crowed, right? And you're like, what, a rooster? If we can continue. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken before the rooster crows. You will disown me three times, and he went outside and wept bitterly. So, listen, Jesus was disowned by his own disciple, one of the closest ones to him. Peter was literally, like, literally a brother to Jesus, was with him almost every day for three years. But because of Jesus' reputation, because Jesus was known, right, to be the Messiah, right, the so-called Messiah, everybody had given him up for a murderer. They're like, dude, Jesus' fame had plummeted. He was nobody. So Peter, knowing that if he was associated with this nobody, he would be a nobody too. And here's the thing. Some of us are, are like that today. We, we don't want to be associated as too religious. Man, I don't want to talk about Jesus. I don't want to be, a, I don't want to be too religious. Oh, we, we were afraid to talk. We, we can talk about Jesus amongst our church friends or amongst our family, or we can, we can say our prayers when we need something, right? Like, man, God, my, my dad has cancer. It gets real, right? My dad has cancer. Lord, save him. Why should he do it? Were you proclaiming the gospel? Does Jesus owe you anything? No, we've rejected Jesus countless times. And, and Peter did it to a servant girl, but we'll do it to our best friends. We'll do it to our friends, when they're going through depression, we're ashamed of Jesus. We're afraid of what they might think if they know we know Jesus. So instead, we keep it on the hush. We don't want to talk about Jesus. I mean, I'll invite you to church, but I ain't trying to have you think I'm that religious. I'm not that into God. Some of the excuses, some of the excuses we've used. But what does that mean? What are we doing? We're doing exactly what Peter did. And Peter realized that, and he went outside and wept bitterly. 
You see, the whole, the whole snare, the whole snare of the fear of man, it was a simple servant girl. He was afraid of her, and then bam, right now, it ends up with him being afraid, being, being a bitter, being a weeping bitterly. He was afraid of a servant girl. He was afraid of a little girl, and he, he rejected Jesus. See, this is, this is what the fear of man will do to you. You will eventually end up denying Christ. When he gets to the right person at the right time, you will deny Jesus himself. It doesn't matter what Jesus has brought you through. If you are afraid of man, if you're afraid of people's opinions, if you're afraid to stand up for the truth because you know that lie seems so good, because that lie, right, that lie looks so nice. It's, it's attached to popularity. You got reputation. I got friends. I got people love me, right? But as soon as I grab it, you're caught in the snare, and at the end, it's filled with overwhelming anxiety. Just like what Peter felt. Praise God, Peter didn't kill himself. Praise God. He wept bitterly, but he understood who Jesus was, that he could forgive his sins. So this is what I'm asking you. Are you caught in the snare that is the fear of man? Are you a fool who does nothing but live for people? Are you just here to please the person next to you? Are you here just because you want to be friends with the person next to you? Do you even believe in Jesus, but you're really lying, and really you just want to be friends with everyone here? You got friends here that you even probably talk dirty to on Snap, right? I remember I went to church. We were afraid of our leaders. We kept everything in the secret. When I was, when I was in uh, my other youth group, when I was young, 13, we kept everything on the low. Uh, we would talk with these people uh, that... You know, I thought they were church people. I thought they were Christians. I was like, man, these, these are good people. I'm going to be friends with them. But sooner or later, they distracted me from the word. Then after that, they distracted me from worship. But, you know, I kept going along with it. I kept going along with it. I was like, man, you know, I don't want to be too religious and say, man, no, I'm not going to do that. I want to listen to the word. Now I want to do that. I want to worship. Now I want to do that. I want to be holy because that's where it kept going now. All of a sudden, the girl that I was talking to, I didn't know she was into me. She started talking about having sex. The person who was one of my friends started talking about drugs. Didn't even know he was probably selling drugs too. See, it, it starts. The fear of man is a trap, and it gets you. Then all of a sudden, it gets you to the point where you want to deny Christ. The person committing suicide has already denied Christ. That's what it is. That's what the fear of man gets you to do. You see the glory of man. You see what's so good about man that you ignore what's good about God. And you want what's good from man. This is the fear of man. So what can we do, right? What can we do? What if you're caught in the snare right now? Am I just going to tell you, stop being anxious, stop being having fear of man? Is, well, I'm, I'm telling you that, but is, it, is there any other way? Is it just stop doing that? No, if we can go to the first verse, Proverbs 29, 25. See, the Bible gives us an answer what we should do instead of being caught in the snare. We have to trust in the Lord. Simple as that. You guys might be thinking, that's it? That's really all I got to do? I thought I had to pray more. I thought I got to like, you know, say like 10 Hail Marys and be afraid of other people. No, we trust in the Lord. If we can go to, uh, if we can go to Mark, if we can go to the, the verse in Mark, Mark 8. It says, if anyone is ashamed of me, in my words, 
in the Dasha's generation, if you could actually go to the verse before that, por favor, I'll read it from right here. So this is what Mark is saying. Well, actually, Matthew 10, 28, I'm sorry. This is what Matthew 10, 28 is saying. Do not be afraid of those who kill the body and cannot kill the soul. Rather, be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. So do not be afraid of those who kill the body but cannot kill the soul. Here's the thing. What a person can do to you, the worst thing they can do to you is kill you. And you may be thinking, dang, that's pretty bad. Like, I ain't trying to die right now. I'm only 13, 14. I got lots of Fortnite to play. There's this girl, man, like, dude, she might like me. I might like her. We've been sending notes to each other. We've been texting each other. I might have a girlfriend by the end of the month. I don't want to die, you know? So we might think, man, dude, I'm afraid of dying, you know? Like, I'm afraid of this person killing me. But it says right here, rather be afraid of the one who can destroy both soul and body in hell. You see, last week we talked about the fear of God and how to fear nothing else. Nothing else included is man. We must fear God instead of man. You see, because, listen, what man can do, they can, they can, everybody's heard that saying, sticks and stones can break my bones, but words can never hurt me. We all know that's not true. Scientifically, it's not even true. But here's the thing, right? They can talk about you all they want. They can, re- they can mock you, make fun of you. They can say all these types of things. Oh, you're a church kid. You're religious. You're this. They can call you all these types of names. They could even put a gun to your head and shoot you. But all they can do is kill the body. All they can do is kill the body. But there's one who has rulership over our body and our soul. And you see, he has now the decision. You see, because all you, you were so afraid of these people, but they could never touch you. They can never touch your soul. I can do whatever I want. I could, I could stab you 17 times. We can do everything. We can do so much to each other, but we can never touch the soul. But there's one who can do that, who can actually destroy both your body and your soul. And that is God. You see, God is able to not only destroy your body, because think about this. God is the maker of heaven and earth. He can send you to hell if he wanted to. Matter of fact, the Bible says we're all deserving of wrath. So he could just say, listen, Andrew, you should be afraid of me. I'm going to send you to hell. Destroy both your body. Your body and your soul will be perishing. And you can't reverse that. You can't get out of that. You see, I don't know if you guys know the reality of hell. The fear of man will lead you there. See, the fear of man will have you thinking, dude, this is all this person could do to me. If I could just stay alive, if I can just keep selling weed, if I could, if I could just keep conforming to what they're saying, if I can just keep being like my friend, lying to my parents, let me just lie to my cousin, let me lie to my sisters, let me lie to these people because I'm trying to please these people. I'm afraid of them. That's okay. I'll get popular. You know, then next we get older, right? We'll be like, man, if I can just lie in my job, man, I'll get more money, Right? All I do is have to, like, get, you know, just kiss up to my, my boss or whatever. Grown people do this too. But you have to stop now. Don't be caught in this trap now because at the end, if we're living this life, if we're caught in this snare, there is one who can destroy both soul and the body. But, right, this one cares about you. And this is what I want to leave you. I, I don't want to leave you guys with what I want you to understand is he continues, he continues to say, are not two sparrows sold for a penny? So sparrows are cheap. They're birds. 
Yet not one of them will fall to the ground outside your father's care, but God still cares about them. And even the very hair of your head are numbered. The hair of, hairs of your head are numbered. And then he continues to say, if you can get the next verse, so don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. So listen, God actually cares about you. Those people that you're, you're living for, that you're afraid of, they don't care about you. They don't care about you. They only care about what you give them. They only care that you're just like them, that whatever they say you do. I had friends like that in high school, right? Literally, he told my other friend, I don't know why you're getting mad at me. I made you. Literally said that. I was like, bro, what? This ain't no TV show. What is this? Like, usually you think you hear that in shows, but that's what people literally think. This person can't live without me. I can tell them what to do. Bam, they'll do it. They'll do it. They're afraid of me. I'm not talking about no corny show where they bully stuff someone in a locker. I'm talking about your best friend. I'm talking about your friend that you've known for years. I'm talking about your cousin. I'm talking about your, 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 your brothers, your sisters. They, they, you know, this person, yeah, he'll be down for me, man. He'll never leave my side. He's afraid of leaving my side. Let's go jump these people. It gets real in high school. I, I've been, you're looking at me now, but I've had moments where I was ready to jump people because I was afraid of losing friends. I didn't do it, though. I was like, yeah, yeah. But no, nah, I'm kidding. We didn't get to that moment. We weren't real enough. But that's the thing is that they'll get you to do anything because they know you're afraid of them. You're caught in a snare. They know you can't get out. What are you going to do without me? You got a boyfriend or a girlfriend, right? It might be reversed. You might be like, you know, you're afraid of losing them, so you do whatever they ask. You do whatever they ask. You're caught in a snare, but they don't even care about you. They just care about what you give them. They just care about the sex you give them. They care about the pleasure you give them. They care about all the, the attention you give them. They don't actually care about you. They don't care about you. But here's God. The one who, can, who has the power to kill both your body and your soul in hell, and he cares about you. Are you not worth more than sparrows? He knows the hairs on your head. He cares about you deeply, and he has the power to do what you think your friends are going to do and your life. But he cares about you, and he doesn't, he doesn't lord himself over you. He doesn't grab Josiah like a puppet and force him to, to pray and preach the gospel and live holy. No. But he shows you his love. He shows you his mercy. You can even tell by you're still breathing. You, when, the, the minute you breathe after you sin, you know there's mercy and grace. Because God could have just ended it right there. That's how, that's, that's how much we should fear God instead of man. This is what the Bible says, that the trust in him. And you will be safe. You will be safe. Because what men can do, God can do worse. Men cannot harm your soul. So trust in the Lord. If we can go to now Mark 8, 38. And here's the thing, right? The sparrow is cared for. The, we are cared for. That, 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 the thing that we're looking for in the fear of man, the acceptance, the, the, the popularity or whatever, and whatever that feeling is, it's found in Christ. You see the joy that you think you have with disobeying God and, and going after friends and what they're doing? That's all found in Christ. You see, you live your life living for people that you don't understand that what God wanted to give you was so much greater. You see, this is a snare that you would, you would think you would, you would be able to have what only God can give you. And then you're trapped in it. But God, what God offers you is not a snare. It's not comparable to a snare. It's freedom. It's joy. It's love. It's peace. 
It's nothing, it's no, there's no anxious, actually you can give your anxious heart to the one who cares about you. You can't give your anxious heart to the friend who's causing you anxiety. There makes no sense. You're living in a snare, you need to wake up. Because God cares, he cares about you. Mark 8.38 says this, If anyone is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of them, and he comes in his Father's glory with the holy angels. If you can find the rest of the verse, and it says in the Bible that he will be ashamed of you. So, so if you're ashamed of Christ, the Bible says he will be ashamed of you. That is, the, that is literally, if you disown Christ, he will disown you. So you want to act all cool, like you don't know Jesus, like you've never heard of Jesus, like you're just, you're just going to church every Friday, but you're not really about it. You don't really care about God. I don't want to lift my hands and worship. They might, they might look, weird at, look weird at me. I don't want to tell them about Jesus. Let them suffer in depression. Let them suffer with their smoking weed, with their drugs, with their alcohol. Let them suffer. That's what they want to do. I'm not going to talk about Jesus. I want them to look at me weird. But this is the truth. That Jesus, if he's disowned, he will disown you. There's other ways to disown Jesus, right? Let's say your friend. Talking about, like literally, where we read earlier, the wicked, they have no fear before God in their eyes. What do they do? They plot evil in their beds. Some of you guys are plotting evil on Snapchat. Some of you are plotting evil on Instagram, on Facebook. You're saying, man, dude, let's meet up. Let's do this. Let's smoke. Let's meet up, girl. You know, I've been wanting to get with you all night. Listen, you do stuff that's crazy that you would be afraid and ashamed to show anyone that thought you were a Christian. And that's the way you're disowning Jesus. You're saying, this isn't my Lord. You're my Lord. I don't fear God. I fear you. I want to do whatever you're telling me. And I'm telling you right now to warn all of you, if you disown Jesus, Jesus will disown you. If you're caught with the fear of man and you're trapped in the snare and you don't want to get out, you're cool with being trapped in that snare and you don't want to trust in the Lord. You don't want to be kept safe. Well, I'm telling you, Jesus, he's done everything on the cross to show you he's worthy of it. He will disown you. He will disown you and he's, good. he's a good God for it. He's a good God for it. He's not going to force himself. No, accept me, accept me. No, you need to not be ashamed of me and grab you by your neck. No, you disown him. He will say, okay. My God's no desperate schoolboy looking for a schoolgirl's attention. My God is the Lord of the universe. You're disowning him. He will disown you. So if I can have Stephanie come up to the, the, the mic, I want to ask you guys, do you then trust the Lord? Because all this anxiety that you're feeling about the fear of man, all this, 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 these problems you're dealing with because you're always trying to live for people's approval, all of that will not keep you safe. If you trust in the Lord, he will keep you safe. You see, he is a safe tower. He is a safe place for all of you, for all of us. Not, your, not, your, not at your friend's side doing whatever they say. You wanna, he, I mean, just think about Peter. You think, he, you think he was okay with, with rejecting the one who saved his soul, the one who, who helped him walk on water? Think about all the memories that were playing back. Some of you guys have been serving the Lord for years, but you're ready to give it up. You're ready to fall into that snare. You're seeing what they can give you, and you're ready to pull that snare just like the, the cheat on the video. You're ready. You're ready to do it. You're saying, I want what they got. I don't care what Jesus has given me. So you're ready to submit to the fear of man. And I'm telling you right now, that will do nothing for you. 
that will do nothing for you. You will be trapped. And you will want out. You will want out, right? But you're not even aware. You're not even aware it's the fear of man that is getting you. That's the crazy thing. So right now, I pray that the Holy Spirit is speaking to you. That he's waking some of you up. To not be with the fear of man stuck in that trap, but to trust the Lord and be kept safe. If you can go to Luke 14, 25 to 27. If I can have all of you stand, please. You see, this verse, probably you've probably seen it before, this passage. But I want to help you understand it in the view of the fear of the man. Because this is what these people were dealing with. Jesus saw it. There's a large crowd following Jesus. A large crowd, lots of people, more than we have in this room, thousands. They're traveling with Jesus. They would call themselves disciples. They don't know everything about Jesus. They've seen him perform miracles. They've had some laughs. They've had some fun. But Jesus says, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. Some of you are wondering, I thought Jesus is love. Jesus, Jesus is the one who loves the world. Why would he tell me to hate someone? Why would he tell me to hate someone? In that crowd, you probably had men and women, right? They were arguing. They were saying, man, I don't, I don't want to follow this Jesus. He's talking, to, he's talking to the Pharisees. People are starting to hate him. He, people are plotting to kill him. Why would we follow him? Let's go back. Let's go back to where we came. We don't want to travel with Jesus anymore. And some of you have been thinking that too. Man, I want to go back to my friends. They're having a lot of fun. I want to go back to my old life before I knew Jesus. It was greater back then. People, people liked me back then. I had more friends back then. I was more popular. My family actually spoke to me more. But right here, Jesus is saying, you must hate father, mother, wife, children, brothers and sisters. Yes, even your own life. You cannot fear the one who can only kill body anymore if you want to be Jesus' disciple. You cannot fear that man anymore. You have to hate and despise their approval. It doesn't matter if your family's walking with you anymore. You got to keep going. It doesn't matter if those friends you used to live for don't stop going to church, stop following Jesus. You got to keep going. See, nothing. Nothing in this world matters, not even in your own life, compared to the glory of Christ. That's what's being talked about right now. If we go to the next verse. And whoever does not carry their cross, some of you don't know what the cross is. The cross is being hated, going through problems because of following Jesus, suffering because you're following Jesus. If you're not willing to suffer and lose out on all the pleasures, the temporary pleasures that would come with the fear of man, you cannot follow Jesus. If you're saying, I'm not going to be that popular to follow Jesus, guess what? Cut it off. Carry your cross. If you're saying, my family's not going to be so happy at family reunions, that's all right. Put it on the cross. If you're saying, man, I'm not going to be able to get drunk, I'm not going to be able to get high, I'm not going to be able to do all these things that my friends want me to do, cut it off. Put it on the cross, follow him. It's that simple. Jesus made it that clear. He spoke to thousands and he told them this. Jesus was not afraid of what they might think or what they might do. And I'm telling you this today, right now. Carry your cross. 
Do not fear, man. It is a snare. Trust in the Lord. You will be safe. Preach the gospel. Tell your parents, your family about Jesus. Live holy despite rejection. Live holy despite obedience. Blessed are those who are mocked because of righteousness. There's someone else you have to live for. That's the one who cares about you. Okay? So my final question to you is, do you trust the Lord? Like I said earlier, do you trust the Lord? Or do you still fear man? If I can have altar workers come up, please. There's going to be people to pray for you if you've never been here before. This is the time where now you can reflect on what was spoken to you. See, the word of God is speaking to all of you right now. And it's tugging on your heart to trust in him, to trust in the Lord. But here's the thing, right? It's your decision. If you want to keep remaining a fool and remain in the snare, you can do it. If none of you, if all of you continue to do this, my heart will break. But listen, I know, I know where I'm kept safe and I'm kept safe in Jesus. So this is what I want to encourage all of you. If you have not heard about Jesus yet, Jesus is Lord. He came as God, became a man, and he died for our sins, taking them all on the cross. But he did not stay dead. It says in the Bible on the third day he resurrected. And he did that all for you. He did that all for you. Those same people in the crowd, he did it for them. If you've never heard that before, if you've never heard a message like this, I want you to come up, receive prayer. Speak to the people. Uh, speak to Jackie. Speak to Lawrence. But if you are, you've heard the gospel, you've fallen away, you want to come back to Jesus. Maybe you've been introduced to religion. You're only following God because you're afraid of your parents. This is your time to come up, receive Jesus. Be born again. Become a child of God. Trust in the Lord and be kept safe in his guard. So if everyone can bow their heads and close their eyes. Oh, Heavenly Father, you are our safe place. You are our refuge, God. The fear of man is nothing but a snare, God. Lord, and I pray for everyone here, leaders, youth. It doesn't matter what they think about themselves, God. If we are experiencing the fear of man, Lord, I pray that you would convict us right now and we would repent, Lord. That we would instead trust in you, Jesus. God, and I pray that you would make us aware of what we've been doing, Lord. Holy Spirit, that you would show us in our reflection well, how we've been offending you, how we've been fearing man, how we've been rejecting you because of man. Lord, I pray that no one, would come, no one that's come in here would leave the same, God. That they would no longer leave weeping bitterly, but they would come now proclaiming the gospel, proclaiming who Jesus is, having confessed them and believed them in their hearts. God, I pray for everyone here, God, that they would not just hear this message, Jesus, and think that it's just another word, it's just another sermon, it's another lecture, God. But that they would hear the words of God speaking to their hearts, Lord. And I pray that people would come up, Lord. And God, they would start to speak to you. They would get right with you, God. They would decide to trust in you, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. So I want to invite everyone up.